Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong. Once again, I have Ken Quiethawk to thank for that amazing intro. If I could bottle his voice, I'd, I'd have a fortune. Um, tonight we have a, an, an amazing lady with us. Her name is Lynn Nichols, Nick, Nick, Nickerson. I keep thinking of Nickers. Um, and she's, she's, among other things, uh, also a radio host and an author. And at a very early age, she developed a lifelong interest in the paranormal. From reading minds, precognitive thoughts and dreams, to visions and out-of-body experiences, she had unexplainable events that have occurred intermittently throughout her life. In addition to being a contract technical writer, her articles and writings have appeared in newspapers, magazines, a book, and the internet. Along with Willie Hassel, they co-host Spirit Radio, The Paranormal Experience on WSCAFM 106.1. And that's in Portsmouth Community Radio in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And you can catch them streaming live at WSCAFM.org, Wednesday evenings, 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And her book which is an amazing book, and I highly recommend it to everybody who has even thought that they've had any sort of paranormal experiences, is called Gateway to the Paranormal, True Personal Accounts of the Unexplainable. And she is a delightful lady. She's actually, I called her to book her for this show, and she booked me on her show, but she beat me to it. So, um, I am just so glad to finally be able to do a turnabout on her and bring her on to Nightlight. So, welcome to Nightlight, Lynn. Thank you so much, Barbara. Such a pleasure being on. Well, you know, you it, it, when when I called you and we started talking, it it was very obvious right from the start that we had a tremendous amount in common. So, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but what <laughs> what I love 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 about your book is that 
you you put forth those subtleties of spirit communicating as subtle and not so subtle sometimes, but but how spirit and and um, loved ones really do communicate with us from the other side, and and so often we just aren't paying attention. And yeah, you you are one of those that that really did pay attention, and and because of it. You know, you you expanded your own consciousness because I truly believe that, you know, when we when we come in contact with those subtleties and we acknowledge them, um, we get more and more and more um, occurrences. So that so that, you know, we it it does help us to understand that there is more than the physical realm. Yeah, I agree with you. It's so easy to dismiss it. You can. Our mind logically tries to find an explanation. But if we continually keep doing that, we're not going to learn anything. It's so easy just to uh, discredit what we've experienced. So I think if you keep keep uh, experiencing stuff that you don't understand, you better start taking notes. You better start yes. making notes of it. Absolutely. I and, and I tell that to everybody. You know, when you have one of these quote-unquote coincidences in your life, that if you write it down in, in many ways, that's cementing it into reality and letting whoever is sending the message to you that know that, that you, you truly did get it. it it's, it's more than, well, that was a coincidence and let go of it. It's sort of like, what does this mean? And, and you know, I keep saying to people, always ask questions. Always ask, what does this mean? Is this symbolic in some way? Does this mean something yeah. to me? And, and I mean... You, Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, were you um, interested in the, in the paranormal and the spooky as a child? Absolutely. But it wasn't spooky. You, yeah. I mean, oh, it, it wasn't? No, never. Um, I, it, it's funny. I, I grew up in a household where um, it became a broken home. And I was in the sixth grade and, and my mother while I didn't believe in any of this stuff, certainly never, you know, played I doubt it to me at all. Um, when I painted mandalas for people and she typed, she typed the, uh, the life readings that went along with them. And every now, because we didn't have computers back then, um, right. every now and then I would hear her saying, oh, put on the hip waiter. She's going deep with this one. And, you know, she, she teased me, but she never discouraged me. So, Did um, she believe in ghosts, your mother? Actually, my mother never believed in ghosts until one evening. Gosh, I, 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 I was still in high school, I guess, maybe. No, I was in college. And during World War II, her father, my grandfather, had planted a dahlia garden. And he, was, he, was, he loved dahlias. And he had a magnificent garden. And... One year, I thought we had a big front yard. I did a, a big circle that was maybe 20 feet in diameter, maybe maybe more like mm. 30 feet. And I planted dahlias in it. And wow. our yard was um, on a corner, and there were streetlights all over the place. So literally, I could work in the garden around the clock. There was always light. <clears throat> and one evening, it had to be about 2, 2.30 in the morning, I was sitting on the front steps. I had just finished weeding or something. And I noticed that there was a mist around the garden and rising 
out of that mist, probably about maybe four to five feet high, there was smoke. And I went over and I walked through it and it was, um, it, it was cigar smoke. Oh, and really? I, and I knew that my grandfather had smoked cigars. And so I went inside, I woke my mother up. I said, you know, the garden's so magical. You just have to come down and walk around it with me. And, and she was a good sport. She put on her bathrobe and her slippers and came down and she saw this, the, the mist around the garden. And she said, oh, that is so pretty. And I said, let's, let's walk around it. Because, of course, the flowers were all blooming. It was gorgeous. And as we walked around, um, the smoke that, that I had seen before was there. And she walked through it and she stopped dead in her tracks. And she said, my father's here. Oh. And I... I said, I wondered if that was what his cigar smelled like. And she looked at me and she said, I can feel him hugging me. Oh and, and I said, that's so super, Mom. And she just, you know, she, we walked around the garden several times. And each time we came to that same spot, she stopped and she got a hug. And she looked at me and she went back inside. And we never spoke of it again. Really? But but I know for sure my grandfather was there, and it had to be the dahlias. Um, but she, um, we never spoke she of it from that point on, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you not? I mean, you know, when when things Truly. like that happen and they touch you so deeply. But um, no, all growing up. Um, I absolutely believed in the other side. I believed in spirits. And then when I was in college, a UFO landed on the campus. And um, Oh, no. Really? It, for real? For real. A UFO <laughs> landed on the campus? Yep. It was in the 60s. It was, I graduated in 66. So it was probably 65, 66 in there. And it was in Michigan. And it was when... Um, J.L. and Hynek was investigating all of those things and calling them all swamp mm-hmm. gas. And mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was amazing. We were locked in the dorm at 11 o'clock. We had heard um, the 11 o'clock news. And then we heard sirens and all sorts of stuff. And on the news, it said a UFO has just been spotted over the campus of Eastern Michigan. And the police are going to investigate it. They have halted the traffic to the three major airports in the area. And there was a um, building between the world. And um, we heard over the car radios. It was in May. And we heard uh, over the car radios, you know, we're going to turn the stadium lights on so we can better get a better view. And you saw the glow in the sky as the lights went on. And this disc thing rose up and swooped over my building. It blanked out the entire sky. And then it was, it was gone. And what I found fascinating was that there was no air displacement. There was no mm. nothing. And what, what was actually even more interesting was that when the news came on at midnight, there was no mention of it, but there were um, state police and local police and army police <laughs> patrolling the campus for the rest of the night with German shepherds. So <laughs> we do, we do something had happened. And, and um, 
from that moment on when I, and, and in a way we could follow it, we could follow the, the blinking light to a larger light in the sky. And mm-hmm. now it fascinated me and it was like, wow, I wonder what if they're going home. What year was home. that, Barbara? What year it was, was it, Well, I graduated May in the 60s. Um, it, it was May, June, I forget, but in the, in the, um, in the UFO museum, one of the exhibits is a bunch of co-eds from Eastern Michigan University pointing to the sky. And um, many years later, um, I found, a, when I was started to do radio shows, um, I found an author who had written a book on um, paranormal, um, you know, UFO sightings that, that were validated by the government. And he started with, I guess he's, I think he started in 41, but maybe a little before that. And then he went through, you know, the Battle of Los Angeles and all of the ones that have occurred. It was called In Focus. And um, mm-hmm. I was interviewing him. Uh, no, I, I met him and he, I saw his book and I noticed that, that the one I was at was there. And so I had him come on my show and, and interviewed him. And it was, it was kind of like I wanted to buy oh, I don't know, three, four dozen of his books and shove them down the throats of everybody that asked me how much I'd had to drink that night. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but it, was, it was amazing. And So that was about maybe May of 1965, you think? No, it, was, it may have been 66. I think it was 66 because I was student teaching during that time. So it was probably 66. And um, the whole early 60s were so busy with UFO sightings that oh, I was curious in, on the East Coast, yeah. too, especially in Michigan. And yeah. um, and and of course, we, we were in an area where there were a lot of army bases and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was but what was even, I think, to me, more um, it was peculiar. Now, I saw it and I wasn't scared. There were people that hid in closets and got hysterical and were frightened out of their minds. And there were other people that literally were standing right next to me that the next day didn't see anything. They didn't see anything? They didn't see a thing. They absolutely Hmm. blanked it totally out. And I kind of felt like um, many years later, one of my um, favorite movies was Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Mm -hmm. And, And in that movie... Um, at one point, somebody says something, you have to let the people in, they were invited. And I kind of felt like it was kind of like for, for those who were open to accepting and embracing the fact that there were UFOs, it was a, it was a happy, comfortable experience. And for those that weren't ready, their consciousness absolutely shut it off and they didn't see a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know it's it's I've never 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 had a negative experience, knock on wood, either paranormal with with spirits or or anything. I've been so fortunate mm. that I every experience I have had has been a positive one. Sometimes weird, but but <laughs> yeah. never frightening. <laughs> well, have you dreamt of UFO incidents? Have you had dreams where you thought? thought something was a dream where you encountered a UFO? I think I probably did when I was much, much younger. Um, 
and and you know it just it, it was it was almost like of course they're out there how could they not be yeah and, yeah and how we would be the only ones alive well yeah and and you know, and it's the same thing with with spirits with spirits slash ghosts um i find them the only ones and again knocking on wood the only one i've come in con- the only ones i've come in contact with we're not frightening um when when um oh gosh this was many years later um i i had uh I don't know. It was, you know, I'm I'm so old now that when it's I say many years, it can be anything from, anyhow, a lot later. Um, I can remember um, my mother had passed away, and um, I had um, no, she hadn't passed away. She was visiting someone, and I had had a car accident, so I couldn't drive for a while, and. I was um, I went to a party with a friend, and. When she picked me up, you know, she came inside and we talked for a minute and then we went to the party and we came back and she came inside and all of the furniture in the living room had been moved to the center of the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> and there was nobody there. And she, she spooked and left and I stood there in the middle of the living room and I said, this was not funny. I expect you to put it back before morning. And I went to bed. And in the morning, everything was back. And probably a couple of weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night. My mom still was visiting her sister, and I heard kerthump, kerthump, kerthump. And I thought, this is so weird. And so I got up, and I went and walked down the hallway, and here in the middle of the living room were, were my two cats, and there was Kleenex floating in the air, high enough for them to jump, and miss it, and they would jump, and it would go up, and then, you know, and, and that was the kerthump, 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 and I watched for a Somebody good was playing with your cats? Yeah. Is that what it was? Someone was playing? Wow. And, and, and <laughs> I, I watched for a while, and I said, you know, I love you playing with them, and you're welcome to play with them anytime you want, but I have to sleep. <laughs> So could you do it, you know, during the day or when I'm not here? Because I think it's great that you're going to play with them. And the tissues just floated to the ground and I went back to bed. The cats didn't talk to me, but um, I mean, I've had. I've Did you had, ever have an idea who that was? Um, I, 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 yeah, I had a feeling because um, for 17 years I ran a meditation group at my house every Friday night. And Mm -hmm. for almost the entire time, whenever I would do a lead meditation and then we would exchange messages. And for probably the last 10 years of it, there was always a Civil War soldier sitting in the middle of the room in in front of a campfire. And it was Mm -hmm. a Union officer, uh, a Union soldier. And... um, I, I think it was him, and um, you know, I, I you know I was I lived in Westchester, right by the water, and while during the war it didn't really happen up here, but after the war, you know, a lot of them were misplaced, and you know, the the land had been Indian land at one time, ergo Mamaroneck, yeah. and um, 
and actually one 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 morning my mother woke me up and she said did you do this and I said I haven't done anything yet I'm still in bed and she said no I mean the living room and I said haven't been out there and there was um there were ashes um in the middle of the floor and and you know, and we had a fireplace, but it was cleaned because it was summertime. So there were no, and I said, I didn't do that. It's got to be the Civil War guy. And she said, well, <laughs> tell him to not light a fire next time. <laughs> you think they were like wood ashes? Yeah. Or cigar ashes or? No, they were wood ashes. They were From the fireplace. Yeah, but the fireplace hadn't had a fire in it. So... It was, it was, it, it, it was interesting. So, you know, my, my experiences are more cute than, you know, certainly not book worthy, that's for sure. But uh, I, I've always said you wonder how they handle physical stuff when they're not physical themselves. That is such a conundrum for me. How, well, how you might hear them talk when they don't have vocal cords or how they pick up physical objects and they don't have a physical body. That fascinates me. Well, they, um, a lot of times when I hear them talk, it's, it's telepathic. It's not out loud. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, the, the telepathy, I understand, but my training has been in the spiritualist church. And so Basically, what I have come to understand is that that if there are spirits there, they draw energy from whatever life forms are there in order to manifest, whether it's, um, you know, whether they're moving something or they they draw the energy from the, the physical beings that are there, whether it's animals or people. And quite often I found that, that if there were spirits around, I usually got cold. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that does happen. That, so, so I just figured they were drawing my ectoplasm so that they could do something. And and basically, you know, <laughs> I usually said, "You better make it good stuff because otherwise, I'm going to get rid of you." So, well, like in one of my stories, magic marker messages. I couldn't oh, believe yeah. that someone was leaving me a message. I just. I refuse to believe that because if so, there would have to be a physical writing implement. And, of course, I found one. I thought I was at first going crazy seeing all those messages. And then I thought, if if somebody's writing the message, and I would still think, well, it's got to be somebody that's coming in here and writing messages. But nobody else had a key. So um, I tore the house upside down and found a magic marker. And, of course, one magic marker in the whole house, and it really made me understand nobody was breaking in. That the, mm-hmm. My relative was leaving me messages. You know, just well, yeah, like the he, cigar, but the ashes found in, the, in your floor. How do they manipulate that stuff? They have the energy, but how yeah. do they do that with a non-physical body? Well, I mean, when you stop to think about it, our minds are... Our minds, our consciousnesses are, are amazing tools. And if you work on utilizing them, I mean, you can draw butterflies to yourself and that's 
you know, pulling energetically something to you. Consciousness is energy. Energy can be manipulated. So, you know, so it would... it would seem to me that it's a matter of learning how to focus and, and some spirits never learn how to do it. And others do. I mean, look at, look at the signs that people who have passed over, look at the signs that they leave to their relatives to let their relatives know they're okay. I mean, I can't tell you the number of stories that, that I've heard of people who have found money, um, pennies or nickels or dimes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I've when, that when, too. My, when my, um, Late husband passed away two or three days after he had passed. I, you know, tore the bed apart. I washed everything. And when I came back into the bedroom to put clean stuff on, in the center of the side of the bed that he had slept on were pennies. And and I mm-hmm. tell people, if I'm going to sleep with money, it's not going to be pennies. So, <laughs> you know, it was it was like, I don't okay. be stingy. <laughs> yeah. And and a couple of people in a support group that I run have just lost their partners and they're finding dimes all over the place. Yeah, times so, have changed. I the economy and everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just but figured, don't you, you know, think go ahead. That maybe there's a an interfacing of dimensions. Oh yeah, it's sure just a question is. of manipulating energy. I I think that where they are and where we are, to be in order to communicate, there's some kind of interfacing going on. I still don't quite get the physical bit, how they can grab a hold of something physical, and make it work, like writing something out. Well, you know that message had to be so important that he got it to you to let you know that he was still living. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, it depends on just, you know, how badly they want to do something or say something. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's like Houdini and his wife, they had a pact, they had a, a special word that, or, or a secret code. And for years after he died, she went to medium after medium after medium after medium and never got the message. Mm. And and you would think that if anybody could transcend dimensions and send a message, it would have been Houdini. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, apparently not. Or or he had more shows lined up on the other side and was just too busy to step back. Um, well, who knows? Because maybe she was in denial. Maybe she was not picking up messages he was giving her. But she should have had some kind of luck when she went to a, a psychic or card reader. Or seance. Well, she, Lord knows, she spent a fortune trying to to establish contact with him, and mm-hmm. um, and never did, never did, and and you know it's kind of like it, in a way, if she had made contact, it would have changed her her life. You know, when when your partner passes away, it's it's your time to create a new life for yourself and focus on your own dreams and your own reality and what you need to do with mm-hmm. your life. And maybe he just thought that, you know, if he, if he did communicate with her, it would keep her linked to the past too much. That could be. 
That would make I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him, frankly. So um, <laughs> Maybe you've spoken, but he hasn't answered back. <laughs> Most probably, or the answer is no. <laughs> well, you say, they can, you say that you weren't scared as a child, but, you know, a lot of children do have visitations or they have dreams or night terrors. So uh-huh. what would you think about how would you deal with children that have this problem, being an adult and dealing with children, should you tell them the truth that maybe there are boogeymans? How would you handle that? Um, frankly, I, you know, my my grandson um, did have night terrors. I don't know if he still does. He's fifteen. If he does, he wouldn't admit him now. But I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would say there are boogeymen. I think I would say, look, there are other dimensions and other realms and other timelines, and sometimes mm. they cross. And and you know, you you may be seeing something from another dimension, but but it can't hurt you. And and you know, but sometimes it can't, what? it can't hurt you. Can't hurt you. No, I I think well, if somebody so. well, only sometimes if there's a lot of fear. Affect people. Hmm? But. Well, if there if there's fear, that opens the door. If you remove the oh, fear, oh, that's very true. That's true. So I guess that buys into: Do you talk to children about this, and what do you say, and do you discredit them? I quite frankly feel that you have to give them your support, but maybe uh-huh. not admit everything to them because it's out of their realm of understanding. Well, you know th- that's true, but when when we incarnate, you know, as as a as a as a spirit, um, we have total consciousness. We have total awareness of past lives, of of mm-hmm. cosmic consciousness, of everything. And quite often, when babies, you know, cry so much that it's it's unbelievable, and they're not wet and they're not hungry, usually it's it's out of frustration because intellectually. They have information they want to share, but they haven't been able to 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 develop the ability to utilize the muscles and and um, and language and stuff like that to be able to share the information. So a lot of that time, they're angry and frustrated because they can't communicate. And then by the time they're able to communicate, parents and culture and environment and television and all sorts of other things have clogged their their consciousness to the point where they've forgotten what they wanted to say. Yeah, but they still continue to have night visitations and nightmares too. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's ongoing and it's awfully hard to know how to how to deal with a child that's going through that. Even as an adult, adults have nightmares. Adults have real nightmares. And it's well, hard with, to with... lie to your child and say, there's no such thing as the boogeyman when we know damn well there is. Well, sometimes, too, um, especially with dreams with adults, I, I say, look, if you don't like the way a dream ended, you know, go back and end the dream a different way. Um, cause well, you wait a minute. How that. about visitations, Barbara? How about real entities that come to visit you? It's not a dream. It's an altered reality. And mm-hmm. you have to deal with that. And that's actually part of what the child is dealing with. Who's to say that what that child is experiencing isn't real? That child could be visited by strange entities, real boogeymen. You know, they're not always just dreams. That's kind of the point I'm making, that we can't negate 
this realness of these terrors because they are oh, real. Yeah. Because they're from another dimension, different entities. I mean, the black hands in the book, mm-hmm. what the heck was that? What were those black hands attached to? Were they put in my bed? Yeah, that's true. What they were. But, Go ahead. But you, you know, lots of times, though, too, I mean, I, I would, you know, if, if a child asks questions, I would always answer them honestly. And my my whole philosophy is, you know, you don't you don't talk baby talk to babies, you know, because you want them to be able to talk like an adult. So you talk like an adult to them. And I would I would if if a kid is having a difficulty like that, I would explain that that there are ways to to avoid this. There are things you can do that we you can light candles. You can surround yourself with salt. You can teach the meditation, you can do a lot of things. I mean, and there are entities. And if that continues, if there is a physical manifestation, then then you get some professionals in there to help you get rid of it. But I would oh, never, yeah. ever discount anything a child says because because I really think that, that a lot of times adults don't believe children and children are trying to be truthful to them. Well, children are connected so much more than adults, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I, you know, I, I have had, I, I, I was called into one house where, where they swore to me that, that it was haunted. And I, 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 you know, went in and I walked through it and I, I, I really didn't feel that there was any um, spirit there, except when I got to one of the bedrooms and I said, okay who slept in this bedroom and then who slept in the one next to it. And it it was, it belonged to one of the, one of the then children who is now an adult and the bedroom next to her was her uncle and her uncle had raped her numerous times in that bedroom. Mm -hmm. And, And I said, we have residual fear and anger and hurt and all sorts of things here. The uncle isn't here, but the energy is here. And, um, you know, when when they talked to the to the girl, she she had never told anybody, and she said, "Yeah, that did happen." And and so, um, she did get some help, and and the house sold, and nobody complained about uh, about ghosts or anything. But 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 you're right. There are you know I I I don't discount the fact that there are spirits and there are entities that do that do. Um, interdimensionally travel and touch in with this, with this, with this dimension from time to time. Mm. But, but you, you know, well, you, you want to, you want on... oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you, you just, you want to eliminate, you know, the logical before you go for the, that which is paranormal first. Oh, sure. You always try to find, to get to the root of it, see if it is actually, mm-hmm. you know, 3D. Yes, but how do you explain night terrors and so forth? Usually, that is not of our our waking world. So yeah, you try to uh, debunk it first, mm-hmm. and if they keep recurring, you certainly have to investigate. But what did you think about uh, the woman that was repeatedly raped? Now, some people might think that there was a ghost there when actually that was probably residual energy, but mm-hmm. you could pick up on it. Yeah, I, right? I, I, oh yeah, no, I, I, I could actually see what was happening, so I knew it was 
something that yeah. happened in the past. And, and I, I, when, when you, you're picking up on something that is in the past as opposed to a spirit, it's a different feeling. Yeah, it is. And, and, you, and then, go ahead. Do you typically see full body apparitions? Um, I, I see them. Well, I, yeah, I guess the answer is yes. Um, more likely than not, I, I see them in my mind's eye, but, but, um, quite often I do see them walking around and, uh, I know that when I, uh, lived in the house with my mother, we were there for 50 years and we were the first owners of the house. So, you know, if, and there was one bedroom that neither in neither my sister nor I ever wanted to go up to. And we absolutely wouldn't go into the walk-in attic at nighttime, just wouldn't. And it was kind of interesting because after my mother passed away, neither of us had any problem with that bedroom or walking into the attic at night. <clears throat> so whatever was there had to have been connected to my mom. Yeah. You, you picked up who, who on never, it. Yeah, who never, who never experienced anything, you know. I mean, she never, she, she never felt anything. But, but my sister and I, oh my gosh, you know, we just we weren't going into that attic at night, and and it was on the same floor, and it was a Cape Cod, so it was on the same floor as the second floor. Mm. I mean, it, we weren't going upstairs or anything. It was just another doorway through into the attic. What's your sign and your sister's sign? I am uh, Pisces, and she okay. is Aries. Oh, okay. Yep, that's interesting. You would most likely pick up on that. Um, but what about ghosts appearing to you, or entities, or or those who have passed on appearing to you in your dreams? Has that happened well, to you? I have, sure, all the time. Um, and sometimes it's it's sometimes. I sometimes it's more of a past life experience. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very cognizant that it's a past life and, you know, those are fun. Um, See, I've had, I've had more fun with this field than most. (laughs) Um, How do you tell the difference? How do you know it's a past life? Well, um, sometimes I realize that I'm not in my own form. So that's, that's a good hint. Um, oh yeah, 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 and and I, and I always aware of that. I always look at my feet, and uh-huh. you know, if if they aren't my feet, then and I'm wiggling the toes, then I know that somehow I am in a different body, and therefore it has to be a past life. And usually, it's a time frame too. Um, I love history, so you know, I, I I'm pretty good at at, at pegging sort of what time frame it is. I know I've spent a lot of lifetimes in in some sort of religious um field. Um, mm, me too. Studying or or being a monk or I, I know I know that uh, there was I had one lifetime where I just um I was, I was, you know, like the third son of a noble family, and they just, you know, you, you, sorry, there's nothing left for you. You've got to go into a religious service, and so I did. And 
it wasn't intentionally, but I always screwed up. And, and so I was <laughs> sent, you know, place to place to place until finally they placed me in a, in a, um, in, in a structure. It was almost like a castle, but it wasn't a castle. It was a, it, it felt like a monkery or something, but I, I was, I was in charge of happy, helping to make wine. And mm. I did it really well, and I, I loved tending the wine plants. And unfortunately, I became an alcoholic. And <laughs> so, so actually, they sent me back to my family, who just um, put me in a little cottage someplace <laughs> until I growed. <laughs> but, but, well, um, that's funny. I, yeah, I just couldn't handle. I loved it, but and to this day, first of all, I can't drink wine. I'm t- I, it, 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 red wine especially. I blotch all over the place, but I am a gardener, and yeah. Well, you should stay away from the wine then. It definitely it, it doesn't like me, but yeah. I, I want to mention though the way that you knew past life. Something very similar happened to me, which I haven't put in any book yet, but I was um, in a tower. It was the 1400s in the south of Scotland, and I had this lady regressing me, but I was seeing the same images that I had always gotten mentally, and I thought, she's not regressing me. This isn't going anywhere. And then she (laughs) says, look at your feet. What have you got on your feet? So in my mind's eye, I looked down at Mm -hmm. my feet, and I could see that I was wearing a dress. I had bare feet, and my legs were filthy. <laughs> then I knew there's something to this. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny you said that. No, it's it's a sure way to, to know if you're in a past yeah. life. I mean, I mean, yeah. I usually just enjoy the trip, but um, I, I have always been fascinated with past lives. It's one of the things that. Um, when I used to do readings on the show, I used to just do past lives for people because, you know, it, you can tell them they were a monk, but you can't tell the story of their, they, they don't know the story of their life and how they got there. And for some reason, that information I was able to pick up on. So, I mean, I've had people who, who ran away to sea because they thought it would be romantic and then um, ended up on a pirate ship of some sort, and much as they were beloved by all of the crew, they got seasick all the time. So every time they went to sea, this 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 kid was seasick in the in the in the bowels of the ship while battle was going on. <laughs> and, and 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 I I said to the person, I said, "Do you do well on the water?" And and it's like. And he said, no, I can get seasick looking at a glass of water. And mm. you know, I said, that, that may have something to do with the past life. Because sometimes, you know, weird things. Yeah, we like, carry over. Like phobias especially. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a, I, I have a fear. I've always lived on the water. I've always been on boats. My family has always had boats. I love the water. But I don't like being in it. And I panic if my face gets wet. And, and when I did work on going back and, and trying to see where that fear came from, I, I have drowned a number of times. Oh, really? And so that fear about, I, I, I can panic in the shower. Um, Jeez. 
So, so that phobia does come from having drought and, and having knowledge of the fact that it comes from past lifetimes doesn't do me any good. I still panic. Do you wind up regressing people or do you just get this information when they're in your presence? Um, I can do both. I mean, if, if I do a regression with somebody, usually I take them um, into a meditation and then when they're really, really relaxed, I ask them to identify places on their, first of all, a regression, you know, is for me, a reg- if somebody really wants to be regressed, regressed, it's because they have an issue they're working on and they want to know if there are mm-hmm. tools out there they can use or reasons why. And so I have them um, identify places on their body where they feel sensations. And usually they can, they can identify four or five different places. And once they've identified those places, I take them into each of them. And, you know, the first thing we do is look at their feet. And then we see what kind of a situation and environment they're in and what's going on there. And, and we talk about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what's going on in their life. And, you know, then we pull out and go into the, uh, another one. And when we're all done with experiencing, say, the four or five different lifetimes, um, I, I, I know I, I regressed a, 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 my surrogate daughter. And at one point, we went into one lifetime, and she was telling me about it. And I, I said to her, Angela, does this have anything to do with what we're working on? And she said, no, it's just a really cool life. And I said, well, let's move on then. <laughs> but, and so, so once we're done with they're describing to me what was going on in those particular situations. Then when they come out of the meditation, then we go into how does that lifetime relate to the one we're in now? What was going on that, that, that has a reflection mm-hmm. as to something that's going on now? How would you apply this to your life? How, what, what, what can you get from that life experience that helps you to deal with this one or understand it better? And so we, we, you know, and, and usually it takes four or five hours. I mean, it's a, it's a long process. Yeah. But if, if, if I'm just doing readings and stuff like that and people, you know, want um, past lives, I can, I can flip out two or three easily for them. It's oh. just easy. <laughs> it's kind of in their energy pattern, isn't it? It is. And, and yeah. uh, it, it's always, and I, and I always tell people that, you know, past lives are not um, haphazard or random hops through, through time. They, every past life creates a bridge to another life, creates a bridge to another life. And as you go, you're gathering material and information and wisdom that is to be applied to this life. And, you know, we've had millions of past lives. They don't all always apply to the current one, but usually if, if they come up, you know, in a reading or something, then you can, you, you can apply mm. it to the life and say, okay, you know, um, I have my best friend. Um, she she has a number of unusual needy women friends, and she said, "Can we look at why all these people are around me? Because I don't have really that you know much in common with them, and yet they are constantly in my face, and they are they're kind of friends, they're acquaintances, and so we did. And it turns out that." Um, in, in about the 12 to 1300s in Great Britain, she ran a brothel and she took children oh. off the street who were, who were, you know, um, 
orphans. She cleaned them up. She educated, she educated them and she um, instructed them and, and, they worked in the brothel until they found someone that they could be with and got married off and everything. And all of these women had been children she had picked up in that time frame. Hmm. So they were in many ways, her girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she was, she when was, you, you look know, at somebody, don't you get the feeling that it's almost like an overlay personality overlays and they just, the, the lives are sometimes prominent. I know that three different psychics have told Willie, Willie Hassel, my co-host, that he's um, a Viking, that he was a Viking. Three mm-hmm. different people have said that. And I, I can see it in his aura. I can't see it, see it, but I feel it. Mm-hmm. I, so I wouldn't get you know. I, I think yeah, you're, could, you're, you're right. And and you know energetically there are, there are many different levels that we all have that that you know can be leafed through so to speak if um, mm-hmm. if somebody is sensitive and uh, it, it's I enjoy doing it I think it's a lot of fun and I, I keep telling people well, if it's helpful if, it really helps people oh yeah and and I know I had one woman who was having trouble with her daughter and I, I looked at her and I said, I, I can totally understand why. And she said, why? And I said, because she was your mother in a past life and she doesn't understand why you're not listening to her now. And she, <laughs> she just looked at me and she said, no, I said, yeah. And you know what? Um, you weren't a really good child. So you were, <laughs> you were, you were difficult. You gave her a, a hell of a ride. And, and part of it is, you know, she's kind of getting even this time. And, and, you know, I, I said, I, I the suspect you switched. Yeah. I, I suspect you, you know, you deserve everything you're getting. And she just sat and she thought, and, and now her daughter was, I think 21, 22, 25, something like that. And she went home and she talked to the daughter and the daughter just sat there and said, you know, I often wondered if that, was the case and and it it improved their relationship tremendously oh that's and very cool because every time they had a fight it was like hey hey who are who are you this time are you the daughter or are you the mother and we can't both be the mother so <laughs> it is cool oh uh, yeah how about um out-of-body experiences. Have you experienced that? Yeah. Um, I think, every you know, everybody, everybody, every single person who's listening, everyone has had an out-of-body experience. Everybody. I don't know about everybody, but a lot of people don't remember their dreams, so they might not remember that. And I wasn't aware of it until, like, in my 30s. Have you ever so been in Everybody bed. does. No, I I bet you, I bet you. Have you ever been in bed and suddenly felt like you were falling and caught yourself and yet you weren't falling? Oh yeah. That's and an I out of body into the mattress instead of floating up out of it. Yeah, that's into the mattress. That's your etheric body yeah. coming back into the physical, and that's an out of body experience. But a lot of people don't know that, and they don't know that they're experiencing that. I don't know yeah. that everybody does experience that. 
But that I falling think once feeling. your awareness expands, you might uh-huh. you might start understanding it. It might start happening to you. I don't I, think it happened I, to me I, as a child. Um, I don't remember the first time it happened to me, but I do remember that feeling, that sensation of falling, and I was flat on my, I was on my my mattress, you know, and and yet I I I felt the jolt as I came mm-hmm. back into body. Now yeah. you know, remote remote viewing is is you know just consciousness um, going to another place, out mm-hmm. of body. Um, is is different. Um, I do remote viewing. I I have a group that remote views, and I find I that found... fascinating. I would oh, like that... to try that. The well, remote viewing. I'm... I would love to try that. On my website. Mm-hmm. On my mm-hmm. website um, is I, I forget to tell people what it is. It's www.barbaradelong.com. Um, there are buttons on the front page, and one of them is labeled remote viewing. And it's, I haven't added to it in a while, but I think there are maybe 12. Um, they're short meditations. They're, they're rough because it was, it was, we started it for one reason and it went to another, but we found that we started going to ancient sites, ancient pyramid sites. I, I took people out of body into these ancient sites. And in most cases, into them and beneath them and found tunnels and found, um, and in many cases, um, alien um, beings that were there. And, um, and they run about 15 minutes. The, the meditation is, it's, it, the button will take you to a blog. The blog has the meditation on it and an explanation of the area that you're going to. So, um, and and people people left their 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 feelings and a lot of them left you know what they what they felt and what they saw when when we were actually there. Um, and I, I was any of this submitted to Fate magazine? No, I don't think okay. so. There was an article no. about that of people remote viewing um, the Sphinx and under the paws mm-hmm. and so forth. Fascinating from, stuff from different people, and that almost sounded like it. So that's why I was curious. Well, it was interesting. I did it with, um, we started, I started this whole thing with Bill Brown, who is an Egyptologist. And when we went beneath, I think it, I think, I forget what it was. He would. He gave me the coordinates and we went into those areas. And in one of them, we were walking along a corridor and I, and I, it, it was, it was interesting. Two things happened. Um, one was I took them there the very first meditation and I left them, you know, I just said, you know, explore. And then I gave them maybe three minutes to explore, four minutes to explore, and then brought them back. And I found afterwards, they said, as soon as your voice stopped, we stopped. So from then on, I, hmm. I, I spoke for the entire time frame so that they had something to follow. And in one of them, we were in a, a passageway underneath the pyramid that had polished walls and it was, it was not sandy. And I said, notice on the, on the walls that, that there are handprints, find one that fits your handprint and put your hand in it and feel the energy coming from, from the wall into your body and feel the sensations. And, you know, we, there was more. And so afterwards, 
I was trying to get people to talk about what they had felt and, and Bill was very, very quiet. And I finally said to him, Bill, you know, what happened? And he said, I had a very strange experience. And I said, good, share it. And he said, well, when I reached my hand up to put on the handprint, I only had three fingers and they were long. And, and let's see how long after that it was, it was a week or two after that, that they did um, dig up the body of the alien with just three fingers. That's impressive. It was really cool. But we did. um, The other thing that I've heard about aliens at the Sphinx or connected with the pyramids is there, it is believed that there was a race of cat people from Orion that helped build the pyramids and settled there first. And they were had physical bodies, but their faces were very cat-like. And, you know, like in the middle of our lip, we've got that little dent. Well, it was yeah. split. Their mouths were split at the top under the nose. Oh, that's Very really interesting. Cool. And several people came up with that. And I've seen pictures of cat people that supposedly are a real race mm-hmm. out there in the constellation of Orion somewhere. So that's, that's well, fascinating. Yeah. Who knows? Well, it, it, there are there are corridors and passageways and tunnels under the Giza plateau that mm-hmm. that that are that are phenomenal and if if you go into the toss material um he talks about the fact that there is a mothership buried there too um not only the toss material or is it just a base is it a base where it can change dimension and get out of there uh, no, it, there is a, there. no, there's a ship there. From from what I understand from the Toth material and 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 some others, um, the Billy Meyer material has a mothership there as well. Um, so it's just parked and it's not going anywhere. Is that the idea? Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. it's it's there and ready to go at some point in time. But um, oh, I see. Okay, it's, it's some functional. sort of evolutionary thing to happen. I think, well, it, it could be that or it could be a dimensional shift because, you know, when you oh, look okay. at, at things, at things like the crop circles, I've always, I've always believed that the crop circles were created by interdimensional um, shifters. You know, they flip in and then mm. they flip oh, back yeah. out. Yeah, I agree with so, you. And, and, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune to be able to at least stand in a crop circle and, um, it, it has an amazing energy to it. You smell ozone, mm-hmm. which I've heard that. I, the, and 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 it's it, there aren't bugs, and it's almost like there's a cone of silence around you. It it it, it makes everything quiet and peaceful. So it almost mm-hmm. feels like they are portals of. Of, of stuff they are I don't think it's interdimensional graffiti I think there's a point to the crop circles I just haven't figured oh, out yes. what it is definitely yeah I think they're definitely messages they're so exacting and they're such beautiful designs and it's all sacred geometry I mm-hmm. there's got to be something else there what do you think is the purpose of all the passageways under the pyramids did you get an indication 
Um, you know, it, it, it was really interesting because under the Great Pyramid and then there are a couple of temples that are no longer standing that we went into and beneath as well. And it felt to me as though we were in kind of like um, – kind of like stations, so to speak, you know, um, stations where you could either go interdimensionally or in other places on the earth. And in many of the, in many of the, um, in many of the meditations that we did, it was in one, and I can't remember which one it was because we went into the great pyramid and then there was another temple. And then we did, um, gosh, we did monk's mound. We did, um, the Japanese pyramids, we did the moon, we did um, the pyramids in the Arctic, we did the um, tomb of the first emperor. We did, I mean, so, so we did, a, we did a lot of different places. And in, in many of them, it, it got, it, 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 we got the feeling that it was a transfer station of some sort, that it was a place where you stopped and you went into another portal and you went to another place so that, hmm. so that it was, it was an interdimensional way station, I guess is a better way to put it. So, um, and different places on Earth or in other universes? Both. Both. both? Okay. Yeah, because we did the Bosnian Pyramid too, and that was interesting because with the Bosnian Pyramid, when we got up to the very peak of it, um, there was literally. Um, a guardian at a portal that, that we I, we'd not seen that before, and he basically said because you, because I've taken people out of bodies, so it's the etheric bodies that are doing this investigation. Um, and basically, the guardian said you have to leave the etheric body here; only consciousness can go beyond this point. Wow! And some chose to not do that, and some chose to do that, and got whatever it is they were looking for. Um, so it was... Did they have you know, problems coming back? No, because I constantly talk, so they had my voice as a link. So no, nobody ever got okay. lost. Some of them dallied here and there, but nobody ever got lost. Well, I that's think that's, that, well, that's, that's one really cool thing I have found when leading meditations like this one. I can see through everybody's eyes. So I know where everybody is. So, oh, really? So nobody gets lost. Yeah. No, no. That would be that so would be bad. Is a pre-recorded meditation that you have you that you offer to others? Or yeah, it's it right there. Done? Oh no, it's it's all done. It's it's if you if you hit the and please understand that these were um, you know, there were there there are places where the phone rings and stuff like that. I mean, I, I keep saying that, you know, when as I go forward with these, I will be a little more careful as to sound and stuff like that. Um, but um, the the meditation is right there. You can click into it right on the website and listen to the meditation and leave your remarks if you want to. It it the, that link okay. that button takes you to all of the meditations and um, each, each one has a little information on the site we went to or we were going to. So you had a kind of a visual as to what to expect. So, um, but, but I have a whole bunch more places 
you know, that I, that I want to take people into and they're short meditations. They, they only go about 15, 20 minutes tops. So are people aware enough to be able to sit down and jot down notes as they're experiencing stuff? Sure. Okay. I mean, I never had, you know, they all did it. So, um, I, I think I, I, I kept saying, you know, remember, you know, what you've seen, remember what you felt and make sure that you bring yeah. it back with you. And so I, I gave them, I implanted good, that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah. yeah to listen to that. They're, they're, they're fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, especially the one on the moon was fun and the um, first emperor's tomb was fun. Um Bosnian Pyramid was amazing. I um, bet I find that you know, place the, fascinating. The 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 first um, the first couple were were rough, <laughs> hmm. but but we were just you know because I'm used to be able to being able to sort of let people go and then bring them back and the the feedback I kept getting was you know when you stopped I stopped so. You know, it was a it was a learning experience for me for something like remote viewing. That you know, if you didn't hear what I was saying, that was just fine. But if you needed a voice to follow, it was there. Mm-hmm. And and th- there were, gosh, there were about seventy or eighty people signed up all around the world that did them. So, and mm-hmm. you know, and they're they there. their impressions. Did they write mm-hmm. their impressions? Some of them. A lot of them did, cool. and then yeah. then it got to the point where people weren't leaving their impressions, and you know that made it difficult for me to know how to adjust things if I needed to. But um, mm-hmm. but but you know this summer I plan on doing another five or ten and putting them up there too, and and they will they will take longer and be more well they'll be deeper I guess is the best way to put it. Okay, so what places are you planning on visiting, in quotes? <laughs> um, in, in Turkey, there are some underground, there's an underground city that is very, very old. I want to go there. I want to go into Area 51. I want to go into the Bermuda Triangle. Um, I'd love to hit Mars. Um, and, and there are, you know, some some sites that, that I, Puma Punka, I'd like to go to, mm. just just to see what it was they were building. I mean, you know, but you experience this as they are experiencing it, experiencing mm-hmm. it then as well. Is that right? Yeah, like it's wow, it's mm. really cool because you know when you when when I figured okay we're going you know under the Great Pyramid, I did not expect to find tunnels. Um, there's water down there at the bottom of the Great Pyramid. Um, I didn't expect there to be salt water there, but there apparently there oh. is. Um, so, like um, under the Great Pyramid, no, hmm. that that was I, I don't know what that water was for, but if you went deeper down, you hit these these tunnels, these passageways that were more like um. Gosh, I, I think to describe they had they had um, they had smooth walls. They were polished walls, and in some places, as we would walk along, they would glow right ahead of us, so that the passageway was lit up ahead of us. But there oh, were no lights. Geez. 
Yes. (laughs) So it it was really cool. And and in many places, there were symbols that um, were not hieroglyphics, but they were symbols. And in Mm -hmm. in one, I remember there was a huge cavern and there were circular portals all around the outside and each each circle had a different um, symbol on it, but none of them, they weren't Sumerian, they weren't hieroglyphs, they weren't, you know, I'm, I'm familiar basically with a lot of the ancient languages and symbols. They were none of those. And um, I would say they, they were more like um, sacred geometry than anything else. Oh, and yeah. they, they, they would shimmer as, as an individual walked up to them and you'd be able to walk through. Um, and then they became solid again. And what was interesting was every now and then um, one of the people that, that was in the group would put their hands, you know, they would see it shimmer and someone walked through and yet they put their hand up and they touch it and it wouldn't shimmer. And um, afterwards somebody said, how come everyone else would be able, you know, it, they would shimmer, they would walk through. And I, they, you know, maybe the environment on the other side wasn't conducive to a human, hmm. you know, or maybe you didn't have the right passport. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or the right hair color or something. Yeah. You know, or etheric bodies don't count. I mean, you know, they were there etherically yeah. and, and so, yeah. so they weren't as solid as the people that were presenting themselves. Yeah. But um, we never saw anything that had to do with a war or, or you know, mass murder or anything like that. So why would yeah, you but, say that? I mean, why why mass murder? What would make you well, think of that? Well, you know, in a lot of cases, especially in South America, um, I don't. I don't th- actually, we didn't go into any of the South American pyramids because, um, you know, they were historically they talk about blood sacrifice and stuff like that. And it may or may not have happened, but I don't get that feeling from those pyramids. And, and so, you know, it's a matter of, um, you know, historically there have been massacres and there have been wars. We have never in any of the stuff that I've done, I've not touched into any of that energy. I've touched into more Mm. the spiritual direction. So, and, and that's, that's what I look for. That's what I seek for. That's what I tune for. So I, I think it's probably the fact that, that that's where my frequency goes comfortably. So that's where I take yeah. people. Tell me what you saw on the moon. The moon was cool. The moon was, I think, uh, again, a storage facility. And um, it, it it's really funny because every time we hit, tunnels or chambers or anything like that there was no dirt there was no dust they almost looked like they had just been cleaned the day before and polished which Hmm. was fascinating to me so whatever it looks like on the outside the inside was still functional and and being used and um again a sense of there were storage banks there as i recall and and so you could basically tap into and look into you know, what they were storing as far as memories or as far as civilizations or any of that. And in a couple of places, especially in Egypt, um, there were places where there were 
books that that weren't like our they they were kind of like our books but but basically they were downloading information to you so you know i mm. don't know what some people got or or didn't get but you know they were drawn to wherever it was most appropriate for them to be yeah did you get the impression that the moon is artificial um no, I didn't. No, I I didn't get the impression that it was artificial. I I did get um, the feeling that it was alien, though not of this planet. It wasn't, you know, uh, a part of this planet that has broken off. It was, you know, it it's it came from somewhere else. And yeah. Um, yeah. so so the the feeling and and of course you know you hear the stories of the astronauts who when they landed took a look around and there were alien spaceships all around the, the crater that they had landed in. And, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that I buy that in a heartbeat. And yeah, I, and I do, I do believe that the dark side of the moon has a lot on it that uh, the um, powers that be are not letting us see. Yeah. I think it's kind of like a United Nations of the universe on the backside. <laughs> There's supposed to be a right. lot of different, yeah, and that they have like neutral zones. At least this is what I've heard from one source, and that it's politically neutral. So even foes and those who don't agree, they have to stay in this area. If they're willing to stay in the area, they have to agree it's a peaceable area. So yeah, it's sort of like of a least. whole neutral United yeah. Nations type thing. Yeah. Yeah. You leave your you leave your guns at the door. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I I totally believe that. And and the other thing, you you mentioned UFOs and stuff. I now I don't know. This is my opinion. You know, I I, I can't prove it one way or another. But I believe that since 1941 and before, our government and other governments have had crashed UFOs. So that mm-hmm. they have been reverse engineering stuff for a very long time. I believe yeah. that a lot of the UFOs that have been spotted over the centuries, um, at least over the last, oh crap, almost the last hundred years, um, might have been are, are not are ours. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I, I still believe that there are visitors coming here and stuff like that. But I think a lot of what we're seeing, and I even think perhaps the Philadelphia lights were ours. Are you familiar with um, the, um, the um, Lynn? Experiment? Yeah. The, no, the, no, the, um, oh gosh, Lynn Katai's, um, her, yeah, Phoenix oh, Light. Oh, the Phoenix Light. Oh, Lynn Katai. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I I think what that the, what, I I love her. She's the coolest lady ever. Um, Patrick mm. had her um, on on Matrix Radio, which was his show, and and uh, because he had tr- he had trouble with his eyes, I read her book, and I was the one that interviewed her, and. Um, after we'd done the interview on Matrix Radio, I, I picked up the phone to thank her after the show. 
I said, okay, so nobody else is listening. You threw so many buzzwords that were spiritually oriented into your book. I have to know. Let's get into the metaphysical side of what happened and what you saw. And she just, she cracked up. She said, I thought you saw that. And and she had had a near-death experience. She had had all sorts of, you know, cool metaphysical things going on. And, um, of course, it wasn't put in, in the documentary or the book because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they wanted to keep it more scientifically oriented. But the the shifts that they saw are, are the kind of shifts that, that have been almost um, replicated, you know, by our government. So I, I'm kind of wondering if, if yes, 70, 80% of the UFOs that are spotted are really our own vessels. Because Russia, well, Germany has them. So many of them are different. There's such mm-hmm. a variety. Oh, yeah. Well, in in Close Encounters, Steven Spielberg had taken every shape that had been reported. And, and you know, in, in there's a scene where they all come zooming down the road and everybody is sitting there, you know, waving at them. And, and he used every every shape and design that had been reported to that point in time is in that film. What part? I don't remember. I don't remember um, seeing what you saw. <laughs> okay. At, at one place in, in the movie, um, the, 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 the hero um, and the woman and her Dreyfus. little boy. Yeah. Dreyfus mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the woman and her little boy. Um, go to there there's a, a road where where the ufos have been sighted and it's it's very crowded there are a lot of people there they're they're all camped out ready for you know seeing these things come streaming through and and they do and every single one of the shapes that 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 have been reported is represented there and it was really well, I can say that because we came up with it, I don't think we were the first. I think they're all replicas of what they've seen. I really don't think we've made do know that we're far more advanced than the public knows. The military well, is far more advanced than the public knows. The uh, Army has some, the Navy has some, Russia has some, Germany had some, and there's one other country that had had. Um, Vehicles that they were they were reverse engineering, so there there are a lot out there, and I'm yep. and, and and of course there are alien spaceships that do visit. I mean, there's that too. That's right. Underground so, bases, under sea bases, probably even hollow Earth bases. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I know that's really out there, but it certainly is a possibility. Well, it's been going on for a long time because even in Christopher Columbus's logs, he saw a, a, an unidentified sea ship that came yeah. out of the ocean. Oh, so. I think we were, we've been visited for millennia, and I think that many different races have come here, and I really believe that many of us are combinations of different races. That's pretty much my theory right now. After oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, so I, I think we're totally. all a little bit alien. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think Earth is well, one big experiment. 
I think somebody once said, I, I read something just a short while ago that, you know, they were talking about the Neanderthals and someone said, well, they're extinct. And no, they're not actually. No. Um, because they inter they they intermarried with or intermingled. I I don't think they had marriage then, but but they crossbred <laughs> with whoever yeah. was around. So all of us have have some of those those genes too. We are really um, a conglomeration of. I do believe not only different cultures and different stuff from the Earth plane, but but from space as well. Yes, uh, it's not all linear. It's not not all in one timeline. I mean, Neanderthal could have could have interbred with uh, Cro-Magnon and different primates or different mm-hmm. ETs. We could all be part of different ETs, but not everybody is a combination of the 22 ETs that supposedly have been visiting here. We are probably combinations of various races. Oh, absolutely. 22 races, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the, the all of the – I once sat down and I wrote down all of the races that I thought was on Earth because I knew that it wasn't just five. So oh, I geez, kind of broke yeah. up all of the brown races, the black races. Even in Africa, you've uh-huh. got different races of black people. You've got people like Nigerians. You've got the Maasais. You've got the Pygmies. You've got pygmies uh-huh. elsewhere too, but the African pygmies are not the South American pygmies. They're different. They're different races, and I don't sure. think it's just a question of evolution and they changed or they changed because of the climate. They are inherently different. So you've got different black races, different brown races, different white races, different red races, and different uh-huh. yellow races. And do the large differences come from? It's because they come from different places. It's oh, sure. And, you know, and I, I don't, don't think there's any... people believe that. I came up with 20, 22 or 23 different races myself. And mm-hmm. some of them I wasn't sure if they were a race by themselves or a combination of other races. Because, you know, there's a lot of intermingling through the ages as this happens. But oh, still sure. there are distinctive characteristics to many of these different races. I came up with about 23, and then I heard that there were 22 races supposedly <laughs> on Earth. And that really blew my mind. I wrote the um, all of the list. I wrote down all of the different species, and maybe this one was part of this one or whatever, but I came up with the, the 23 major ones. That kind of blew my mind. So I was on to something, and I still adhere to that <laughs> philosophy. Well, yeah, and there's nobody, there's no, there, there's no pure, quote unquote, no. blooded anything no. out there. No, yeah, they've all been hybridized. Oh, absolutely. The DNA and, has all been tweaked on everybody. Well, and you look at at our DNA, and, and you know they only identify you know the one strand, and they say all the rest of them are, you know, junk DNA, garbage. Right. Yeah, garbage junk mm-hmm. DNA, and and that's that's where our our personal hall of records are. That's where where the ability to um, <clears throat> excuse me to to regrow limbs are. There, that's where I agree where, with you. That's yes, to live longer. And, and, that's another one. Well, 
Yeah, and, and you know, so many people, you know, well, where can I get the Akashic Records? Where can Inside. It's inside. Stop looking outside. It's inside. You're carrying it inside mm. of you. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, old, that old saying, you know, <laughs> look within. Um, yeah. And, and what is it that's... Other... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there's well, one of the that, book that's... I read that the ZT was talking about his senses. We supposedly have definitely five and maybe six. I mean, they still question the sixth sense. The ZT was saying from where they come from, there are 12 senses. And it's part of this, I think, that is embedded in this junk DNA that we could be like that, too. We could have more senses. And, again, something like maybe how to regenerate a limb, you know. So I think you're absolutely right. It's not well, junk at, DNA. Look at some of the, the um, quote-unquote, masters or whatever you want to call them, like Jesus and Buddha and, you know, all those guys. I mean, the Buddha was able to translocate. I mean, at one point he was with a train of, of, of his followers or whatever, and they came up to a raging river and there was no way to cross it. And everybody looked around and the Buddha was on the other side. I mean, there are so many things that we are capable of, that first of all, we don't believe, so we don't look for the ability to do them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there are uh, Tibetan monks that, that can can um, levitate. I don't know what good oh, it no. does them, but, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can control their environment. They control themselves. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But who wants to live on a mountaintop and meditate all the time? I mean, <laughs> there's, I mean, it, 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 well, have you ever seen any of Nicholas Rorick's paintings? Say the name again. Nicholas Rorick. No, uh, Germ- um, German, um, German, he, he was an artist, but he was also a doctor and he was also he was he was amazing this goes back to the 18 no 19 early 1900s and and he he traveled um in tibet and he made he made many trips there and he um in the lost years of um of jesus are you familiar with that book no okay uh Elizabeth Clare Prophet wrote it, and she used his paintings oh, as, no, um, yeah, as as I know her, but I haven't read her stuff. Um, the last years of Jesus are pretty good, um, but but she used all of his artwork, and he traveled the Himalayas on donkey, and he rolled his canvases up. He painted with tempera, so he had powdered uh, paint with him. And he literally, and his paintings are the most mystical, the most beautiful. They they have an etheric feeling to them that you you just you just know there was magic there. He and his wife were part of the group that founded the Theosophical Society, mm-hmm. and and he is partially responsible for the uh, symbol that goes on top of hospitals during wartime, so that they know where not to drop bombs. Um, he was an amazing man, and uh, it, there is a, a museum to his work in New York City, and you should everybody should Google him because he is just absolutely his artwork is just outstanding. I I did go down to the museum uh, a number of years ago, 
and <clears throat> it was it was amazing. You walk through and you see all these pictures hanging on the walls, and you realize that they were rolled up canvases that were carted by donkey through the Himalayas and painted with melted snow. And mm. it it blows your mind. And and yes, mm. I reached out and touched them. I got yelled at too, but mm. but I wanted I wanted to feel the energy, and it was there. You know, it was really amazing stuff. I don't know where wow. I got Nicholas Rohr from, but um, yeah, he, he yeah. Where he's were we amazing. going with that? I don't remember oh, now. <laughs> I, I was I was with teachers that 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 there were masters that have walked the earth plane that have been able to access that part of themselves. Um, that, that is of a more spiritual level. So they were able to, to cross that bridge of understanding from consciousness to higher consciousness to spirit consciousness and be able mm-hmm. to utilize those skills and those techniques, how Jesus walked on water, how Jesus, you know, made, if, you know, if, if indeed he did, you know, serving the multitudes, turning water into wine. Um, I mean, these are, these are, Quote, you know, excuse the term, but parlor tricks that that can be used to get people's attention so that a message can be given. I, mm-hmm. I served in the pulpit for five years in the spiritualist church, and I once asked one of the ministers, "What's the point of the of the giving of messages at the end of this?" I, it's, you know, can you do it? Sure. Is there purpose to it? I don't know. What's the point? And he said, "It's the hook." that gets them in to listen to the sermon and listen to the message. Mm-hmm. And, and so perhaps with all of those master teachers that were out there, this is how they, they got people's attention so that they could give them the spiritual information. And over the decades or the eons, the only thing that remains are the parlor tricks and not the message that went along with them. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. I think spiritualistic churches are really good. They're cool. They are cool. I had fun. Yeah. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed serving in the pulpit there. Um, I probably had too much fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how about out-of-body experiences? Are you, you, we were talking about remote viewing, but... Did you have any sense that perhaps you had time traveled, gone back in time, or even traveled ahead in time? Um, well, the future is still to be determined, so that's kind of hard. But um, I know there are those that can do that. I never have. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was. They have a show on TV called Timeless, and back in the 50s, I think it was 51, there was a show on television called You Are There that Walter Cronkite did where they oh, traveled yes. back in yeah. time. That, that was the coolest show ever. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the, the and the answer to your question is, yeah, it just hasn't been one of my priorities. I've, you know, done it as exercises with other people. Um, and it just, mm-hmm. I... I in a learning curve, sometimes things just 
happened to you, and then you can recognize it for what it is. Because I'm not talking about deliberate time travel necessarily. Like um, in the book The Lottery House, mm-hmm. I had a dream one night of flying around a house, but the house was in the past. Um, the whole yard, the whole landscape was in the past, and I only found that mm-hmm. out after having found the house. So uh-huh. I not only did an out-of-body, but I had gone back in time. And it wasn't something deliberate. It's just one of those really fortunate experiences that make mm-hmm. you realize that there are multiple dimensions and you do get uh-huh. to go back. Because the lilac bushes were all small. And when I found uh-huh. the house, they had grown. And uh, there were houses in the area that had been built up since the time of the dream. Well, since the dream. Uh-huh. The time of the dream. Since the time of the dream. So it's just an indication that multiple universes, you know, is there an overlay? Is there an interface? There's something like that going on that we can access. And I don't necessarily think it's in our DNA, but it certainly is in our our mind, which is operating outside of our body, which is right. in another dimension by itself to begin with. So, yeah, I, Paul, I believe Paul, that we're living in multiverses. Yeah, Paul Eno. Multiverse um, universe. Yeah. Paul, Paul Eno talks about folding time or overlapping mm-hmm. timelines. And yeah. <clears throat> I went once to um, to Woodstock, New York. They have a, uh, a crystal chamber there that is, um, it's, a, it's a chamber to meditate in um, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. So that, and there are chambers all around the world. So that at that one particular time frame, there are meditations for peace that that are going on nonstop around the world, and each chamber has a crystal from the other chambers, which kind of links them, which is really very cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I remember as we were we were going to the chamber, I stopped dead in my tracks. And Woodstock is a small town, and it's in the middle of you know woods mm-hmm. and stuff. And there was an, a Native American there who was um, a part of, of running the whole thing. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I see, huge field that was out there. And I said, I see teepees and lots and lots of people. And they're all sick. And they're all dying. And And I see big fires where bodies are being thrown into the fire and... and you know, he shushed me up real fast and we went in and we did the meditation. And after everyone had left, he took me out in the field again. He said, can you, you know, describe it more? And it was like, it was right there in front of me. And I said, this is horrible. And, and, you know, I see soldiers and they keep handing out blankets and, and people keep dying. And, you know, he said, yeah, there was a huge settlement here and the American government um, handed out blankets with yeah. smallpox. And yeah. he said they wiped out over a 1,000 people that way. And they're all buried there. And, you know, that was, that was I think, one of my biggest, you know, of seeing – and, 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 you know, I could, I, I literally at one point stepped out of the way because a horse walked by me and there was no horse there. Um, <clears throat> but I was, I was so, so there 
that it felt real to me. Yeah. So that was... Get those mental was, images. It's really very, very disturbing. It can really shake you yeah. to your core. Yeah, and what, he, what happened? Yeah, that was that was not a pleasurable time. But um, <clears throat> no, I, I um, for the most part, it's in my mind's eye. Um, every now and then, there is definitely something very, very physical that you know you can latch onto and say, "Whoa, this is so cool." Um, I treat most of it, you know, with a sense of of, of joy, in that that you know, there's another dimension that you can reach into and and kind of interact with from time to time. But sometimes what you see is not, it's, it's almost like a, um, a a shadow of something that happened before that it's, you know, you're not really seeing, you know, you're not really seeing the actual event happening. You're seeing a memory of it. And that's, I think, especially with nine 11, what happened what's happened with that particular area there is a an energetic of something there that is you know so sad and you know i know they've got a wonderful memorial there and stuff like that i won't go down to it the the um memorial that that i they used to do was to to send up those two beams of light on 911 mm-hmm. um and to me, that's a better memorial than the building and the fountain and the whole thing. It's just, you know, light going up into the, into the heavens, which to me was far more um, appropriate, maybe. Yeah, spiritual. Yeah. It, it, it was, yeah. That, that to me was more poignant than the building and everything else that, you know, has cost billions and billions of dollars. Um, <clears throat> but in a way, you know, Everyone who passed away became a martyr to a cause of some sort, and uh, so so it, you know there was an element of sacrifice, but understanding too. And hopefully, you know, none of them died in vain. I guess in retrospect, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to even reason that one away. Something no. that never should oh, yeah. have happened. No, and you don't even know who really caused it or really did it anyhow. So, you know, that truth is going to be hopefully coming out sometime. In in, in your book, you talked about Sedona a lot. Yep. And <clears throat> I have visited but once, and it was, it was amazing. Um, it's beautiful. It's just an incredibly beautiful place. Yeah, the the one thing that I found fascinating was the the man that was not from around here. I mean, do you do you really believe that you were talking to a yes. visitor? Yes, I do. How cool. We are you able to go back and sort of figure out where he came from or where he was going? Initially, I had said Pleiadian. I don't think he was that. There's a couple of other races that really resemble us, and you can't tell the difference. And this is not only from me. This is from other people, even in the government that I've spoken to. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not recalling which – I don't recall which other constellation this planet is. But, yes, they, they're different. 
there are different reasons they come to visit us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are just here to pick up on our culture, to understand human beings, and it's like a vacation for them. Sometimes it's like a, a cultural education for them. But it just depends on the reason they're here. I think that he was here like on a cultural vacation. <laughs> learning okay. about learning about uh, earth people. And he could read my mind immediately, which was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but there was such a peace about him. He had such a peaceful, I don't know, he just was not of this earth, and I know he wasn't. And after the stories I read from uh, President Dennett's books about mm-hmm. what has been seen in Las Vegas on the screens or reports from people on the floor in the casinos, they've seen a lot of strange stuff, but they've also met humanoids. So there's there's no doubt in my mind that he was for real, not from here. That's amazing. And you also, you also had a sighting there that was quite spectacular. I had several uh, sightings there. No, the, the, the one, one at the hotel. Where 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 the owner's oh. sister said they were coming tonight and oh, they came. Yeah. The owner's sister. Crazy woman. I thought she was crazy. Because <laughs> uh, who starts talking about UFOs when you just meet them? And that's mm-hmm. what she did. I was trying to check her in. And then she says, Oh, by the way, they're coming tonight and well I said, Well who? The UFOs. I've been talking to them. And I'm thinking, my God, this woman must be nuts. So I knew it was his sister, so I just kept smiling. Yeah. <laughs> and I I didn't say anything else. And she went off, and everybody went out to dinner. They had, like, a big family reunion. And they came mm-hmm. back about 930, and then people started going outside. And then that's when the owner came up to me and says, Lynn, come outside, come outside, come outside now. Lock the doors and come with me. And I said, I'm the only one here. Says you've got to come up now. <laughs> so out there in the sky were these huge globes, huge like huge Walmart parking lights, only larger, and they were almost about the hotel, but just off to the side, and they were really close. And we watched them. I was there for about ten minutes. The crowd of about thirty people for, were there for uh, twenty minutes, and then they were gone. And I I failed to find out how they eventually left. But uh-huh. they were just sitting there big as day. And you just, you question your sanity. Then you question, well, they must have put up some lights there around the hotel. But then the lights started moving. And uh-huh. they would move up, and then they would move to one to the left or move to the right, back to position. It was um, a very, you know, there was intelligence behind it. It was a very meditated type move. So, uh you, you, what else can it be but a UFO or something maybe from this plane or planet, but certainly not typical, certainly something that we can't identify. Don't you wish you'd had a camera on you at that time? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> it was dark, but I'm sure I would have photographed something. Oh, sure. I, the other thing that, that that I have here that I wanted to, to, to really check out with you, you talk about celestial music. Yeah. And and I, I was wondering if it had any similarity to the solfeggio music. 
Oh, explain that to me. Solfeggio music is um, music that is played at a certain frequency, and it doesn't have a melody. It is a more total tonal um, mm-hmm. sound that that it, it it's done with binaural sounds, beats, and and it's done with singing bowls, and it's done with all sorts. It, it's 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 the only one. Um, I know of the, and and I know there are many people, but when the only know of that um, that does it, and if anybody is interested in listening to his solfeggio music, uh, if there are if they've got Amazon Prime, they can listen to it there for free. And what it is is it is it puts your it puts your brain into an alpha theta state immediately. Hmm. So, so that, and, and it's amazing. It, it's like floating in ambiotic fluid. It is just yeah, it's ethereal. Yeah. Right? Ethereal. Yeah. And, and, what I know, heard was very tonal like that. And mm-hmm. after I heard it, cause I was floating out in the middle of the universe mm-hmm. and I heard the music and it was, it made me ecstatic. It made me so joyful and I was joyful when I woke up, and then for the next three days, it was like wow. I was floating on a bubble for three days. It was such an incredible experience. Again, an out-of-body experience, I really think so. And I went, I don't know, to a dimension out in the universe. I was suspended out in the solar system. And the message was the earth is married to the sun, the moon, and the stars. And it was an indication to me that there's unity in everything. Mm-hmm. We're all a part of something. But the music oh, is just unbelievably beautiful. Yeah, you should you should check out the uh, Ted Winslow music because I'm, I'm thinking. And, and what it is is it, it's done at a certain frequency. And <clears throat> what I didn't what I didn't understand was that frequency isn't volume and it isn't you know it isn't right. um, tonal. It is it is an it's an energetic that that takes your mind to um, the alpha theta state, which is which is a meditative state, which is a place where you if if you work with it, you are able to get into a, a closer attachment and connection to the spirit within. It's it's an amazing um, tool. It's a great tool. So did you. It almost sounds like the the bowls, the glass bowls that what was it? Ben yes. Franklin invented them, and that sound is ethereal. Just putting waters on these mm-hmm. bowls, beautiful. Oh music. yeah. Well, it, it's spelled S-O-U-L-F-I-G-G-I-O, and um, it goes back to, um, I guess, the first time that they, in the 8th century, the uh, Gregorian chants, oh. that, that, that you know, it goes, that's, that's the closest, you know, you, they, they can find where, where it's the, it's, it's the, it, it's the, the tonal stuff, um, and it's it's really it's it's phenomenal. I went um, and, and and using tonal um, uh, sounds, um, hums, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, it is something that <clears throat> that I noticed that we you know I, I'm in Connecticut, so we have the two casinos here, and in both of them there is 
a constant hum that takes the brain to a place where you're more comfortable just sitting there and putting money into the thing. And I, I can, <laughs> the, the machines. And I remember saying to my sister, don't you hear that? Mind hum? control. Yes. Yes. And yeah. and she said, no, I don't hear it. I said, it's driving me crazy. I've got a crashing headache. And she said, no, nah, we'll just stay a little longer. And I said, you, you don't hear it. You honestly don't hear it. And, and so whatever frequency it was on, it was taking people to that, that that space inside of themselves that makes them almost lethargic so that they would sit at the mm. tables longer and that they would spend more money so that so that using these tonal aspects um have been used on us in in movies and on television and in all sorts of places that we're not really even aware of and yeah the subliminal seduction so it's not only visual it's also audio oh yeah isn't it yeah, yeah. It, it's it's amazing the technology that is being imposed upon us that we don't even realize and i know the mind control stuff really is frightening oh geez yeah and, and you know you you kind of you kind of want to poo-poo it and then you realize nope it's really there and you know yeah. we're being controlled and you know, it, it it sometimes it's it's through commercials on television that are subliminally there that we don't even recognize. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's amazing, and um, you know, I kind I of watching television. Well, I probably a smart thing to do. I mean, <laughs> I watch well, movies, but no more mm-hmm. TV. Well, are you familiar with Robert Sullivan and his cinema symbolism stuff? Yes, I am. We had him on our show. He's a cool man. He is. That He did quite a bit of study and research, you know. I think there's 500 pages to that book. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a big... Have you read his or seen his um, first part, his first book of fiction, A Pact with the Devil? No. I had, you'd enjoy that. Um, <laughs> it, it Probably. Was, um, <laughs> He, yeah, no, it's a really good book. Um, he's, um, you know, I've read, I read his first three books and then his act, his work of fiction surprised the daylights out of me. Um, did not know he knew as much about witchcraft as he did. <laughs> well, it's the idea. He just put a lot of uh, truth in it and they just called it fiction. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, he definitely did that, and and uh, at one point he actually even wrote himself into the story, which I thought was really kind of cute. Um, yeah. And then he advertised his other three books there too. But but I mean, this, the story is it, it's the first I think of a trilogy, so um, it did surprise me. Cinema, cinema symbolism, his first one though. He he's written uh, two, a part one, a book one, and a book two. Of cinema, so you probably, cinema symbolism, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then he, the Arch, Arch of Enoch was the other one, which yeah, I had yeah. to learn a whole bunch yeah. about Freemasonry before I actually interviewed him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was painfully ignorant. Um, so I, I, I did a crash course on it and 
then I actually understood the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those things you can just breathe through. You have to really do some research. Well, you know, but you know, it's funny because being metaphysically basically oriented, um, you know, I I I knew about Solomon's Temple. I knew about um, Hiram Abiff. I you know, there were a lot of things that I really was familiar with. So every now and mm-hmm. then he would hit an area where where I had a familiarity, and it was okay. Both feet on the ground. I know where I am right now, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it was it was. I'm always grateful when somebody does something that I know nothing about. So I have to go and learn about it in order to be able to talk to them, which, you know, is always an adventure for me. Yeah. That's the funnest part about having the radio show. It's the variety of guests we have on and they've all got a different take on the paranormal. You know, they explain all of these different things. Like, did you grow up believing in fairies? I didn't, but I do now. It's oh, stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That it it just broadens your awareness. It does, and and you know it it's so it, it's such an amazing time because the paranormal and the metaphysical and the spiritual are all so much more um, commonly talked about. So that you really you, you're not a strange weirdo or, mm. or anything like that. People, you know, they may raise their eyebrows, but they they aren't. <clears throat> We we don't get burned at the stake anymore, which is really cool. So <laughs> so so it's it's sort get of to like there, longer. Yes, I mean, there yeah. is an acceptance and and there is open mindedness to a greater extent than ever before. So, you know, going spiritual or or going and science is now moving into areas that that you never thought that they would do. I mean, look at the doctors that have died and and had a near death experience and come back. I mean, they're amazing. Look at look at the detectives that have had um experience with past lives and and weren't able to prove it wrong and it's, as a matter of fact became believers because they with all their investigative techniques they weren't able to prove that there wasn't a past life there. I mean, people are more and more becoming accepting of the fact that there is a greater spectrum that we have here that we can experience if we embrace it. Yeah, that's basically the boat in my book. We just have a tendency to discount so much. And after mm-hmm. a while, you have to sit up and start paying attention and yes. looking at these things. You know, pay attention. Oh. Sometimes well, it's going to save your life, too, even that. Oh, absolutely. Pay attention and to what I, you're being told, Yeah. I really greater um, awareness. Hmm? I can remember driving one night and suddenly I saw this great big wall straight across the throughway and I slowed way down because I was afraid I was going to hit it. Of course, it wasn't there, but as I slowed down, yeah, it was. Well, it, it was put there to slow me down because because I slowed down, I missed an accident that was that happened ahead on the road and had I been going yeah. as fast as I was I would have been a part of it and yep. you know it's you it's lucky. I prickled all over with that one that was that was kind of like whoa thank you whoever yeah. put put that thank you, <laughs> you know? I am very yeah, grateful and, for that and the crunch of metal that was the same sort of thing that happened to me that crashing metal mm-hmm. in my head and I just didn't know what I was going to do because I had to get back to work 
So I just decided I'll get behind the wheel and I'll just go as slow as I can and be really watchful. Thank God I did because I think I would have been hit by the piece of metal that fell off that truck. Had I oh, been I going think you're faster. absolutely right. Yeah. Oof. In fact, Joni Mahan said to me, yeah, I just got the message, final destination, mm. agreeing that I probably would have died had I not heeded yeah. that warning. Well, I, I think your book is an amazing book, and, and I want to put it out there oh, again. It's Gateway you. to the Paranormal, the Truth, Personal Accounts of the Unexplained. And it's written in such a manner that it's an it's an easy read, but it but it has unbelievable messages in it, so that so that you know you you've you've been very kind and shared a great deal of your life with all of us, and and so that it it makes us more and more aware of those subtleties that spirit does throw at us and how important they are. And Thank uh, you. I did want to make that point. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I mean, Good. the the more we pay attention the more we have access to greater information inside of us and we are yes. getting, you know, we're getting way down towards the end here and blog talk radio has a habit of just cutting us off at the very end. So you want to <laughs> give us, you want to give us your radio station and your website so people can find you if they're looking for you. Sure. Um, as far as book signings and so forth and presentations, Willie and I do a lot of presentations. That's going to be listed on my website, which is just plain old lynnmnickerson.com, and it's L-Y-N-N-E-M-N-I-C-K-E-R-S-O-N.com. And for the radio show, we're broadcasting WSCA, so that's WSCAFM.com, and then on the Paranormal UK Radio Network, and we are broadcast across all of the UK and uh, Western Europe. And that website is paukradio.com. Uh, that would be on Tuesday nights at um, 9 o'clock. And then okay. WSCA Wednesday nights at, at 10 o'clock. But it's all well, on the website. I, yeah, well, <laughs> websites are great. <laughs> But I, I do yeah, want to also but, thank you for having me on your show because I had a great time on your show, too. Oh, that was a delight. Yeah, a lot of good information there, Barbara. And I'm studying all of your stone structure maps because Willie and I have gone off trying to look for a few of them. Had a hard time finding a couple of them, but it had nothing to do with you. It was some bad directions from two other sources. But um, I'm going to persevere because I would still like to experiment some of those and see what I can feel at them. Oh yeah, they're magical. They they really are. And so yeah. we're we, we're we're down to our last gasp here. So I want to thank you again. And thank you, um, you have you have been a true joy. And we'll have to do this again because we didn't cover okay. half the stuff I wanted to cover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I agreed. Uh, All right, Barbara. Well, thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Good night now, Lynn. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, this will be up on YouTube well, probably by tomorrow and, and, of course, always in the archive here at Blog Talk. Thanks for stopping in, sharing two hours with us and uh, sharing your energy. Good night now.